home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. In Massachusetts, they are experiencing just a whopper of a snowstorm. The schools are closed. Public services are limited. The governor is telling people to stay home and to stay off the roads. But the coach of the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, he is telling his players, do not dare be late for practice. Do not dare be late for meetings. The snow is no excuse. We got hotels by the facility. Stay there if you gotta, but do not be late or you will be sent home. That kind of sounds ridiculous. Football uber alles. You have no other light. But maybe that's why the Patriots win. Maybe that's the difference between Pittsburgh and New England. On one team, you can snore on a recliner during meetings. On the other team, you can't be late for meetings, even if it snows 10 feet. The irony is, the guy who snored on the recliner during the Steeler meetings is now driving through 10 feet of snow to be on time for New England's meetings. Sick again, and I am. Brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. We've got Josh Yoey talking hockey uh, in just about 10 minutes from now. I'm live at Buford's on 5th Avenue. While we were talking to the Hebrew Hammer, which was, as always, wonderful, yes, Uh, we had another call who who hung up, mercifully, who who wanted to debate whether they should have traded Murray and kept Flurry. i got to put this one to bed. I like Flurry, too. He was great. Won three cups, played a major role in winning two. But after Matthew Murray being 10 years younger than Flurry, let's not forget, after Murray won two Stanley Cups, do you really believe there was any logical way, given the difference in age, given the difference in price tag, given the difference in recent accomplishment, do you really believe, anybody out there, there was a logical way to keep Marc-Andre Fleury and trade Matt Murray. Do you believe there was a logical way to do that? To do it not be excoriated by the hockey world. The only people upset about this are Fleury fanboys, like Hebrew Hammer, who just called, might I add. What's he call Murray? Passenger 30. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, does anybody out there, can you present me a logical way to trade Murray and not Flurry and present it as the logical move. Try if you like. I don't think you can. But if you want to try, 412-333-WXDX. The, the big lineup news tonight is uh, Gensel's going to play center between Sprong and Haglin, which I like. I like Gensel at center. Maybe that's how you solve your third-line center problem. If Gensel were filling the net next to Crosby like he was last year, then I'd say that's kind of productive. He's not. Third-line center's a hole. 
So let's try this. Shane at fourth line center, like he looked the other night, playing between Revo and Kuhnhockel. Maybe he can solve that problem. So I like the idea of trying Gensel. I like the idea of Strong playing with him. Maybe you can artificially produce some balance yet, coach. It's It's been a, a long slog and a lot of attempts unsuccessfully to do so, but maybe this will work. you got Crosby, Simon, and Sherry. you got Gensel, Sprong, and Hagelin. you got Kessel, Malkin, and Hornquist on the left wing, which I hate. you got the fourth line, which looked pretty good in Philadelphia. This is worth a try. Do I know if it will work for sure? No, I don't know that. But is it worth a try? Absolutely, it is. Let's go now to the other half of the brother act. He is the former star quarterback at Adams College. He is Stan, the man Gable, Stan Gravitas. Last in Gravitas. I'll continue to make the case to trade, to have traded Passenger 30 for uh, the most loved professional athlete in Pittsburgh history. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury. You're Here's being sarcastic my, when you when you say that, right? I think Mark Andre Fleury, when he left, was very well liked. I think when you go to that game on February 6th, it's going to be a love fest for Fleury. What, what's what's like have to do with it? What's love have to do with it? Who said that? Didn't uh, who's that? Tina Rod Turner. Stewart? Tina Turner. No, I was hoping that we could we could work that exchange more subtly, but yeah, Tina Turner. Only if you behave. Now, Murray would have had tremendous trade value. Flurry, like goaltenders at his age, goaltenders age like fine wine. I think oh, I think Flurry I think Flurry is in a window of excellence. I think you have. With you, the you don't think Matt Murray's have, in a window of excellence? No, I think Murray. Is what with the two Stanley Cups and all? I look. I'm not knocking the guy. I mean, if you wanted me to present a, an argument, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, so far it's not been at all logical, but go ahead. Tremendous trade value. I think Flurry could have given you three more solid years, which is what I think the window is anyway. The window's closing. I think Jari, who's more highly pedigreed of a draft pick than Murray to begin with, will be ready to take the reins when Flurry would have been ready to move on when his window closed. And I think that you could have found a capable backup in free agency. Everything you just said is logical if you didn't win the second Stanley Cup. With Murray. Uh, correct. But here's the thing. In the, the first Cup that Murray won... Well, let, me re let me rebut very briefly. Go ahead. Uh, you're saying that they should have traded a 23-year-old double Stanley Cup winner with great stats and who had a cheaper price tag than Flurry. That's what you're saying. What you're saying makes sense. What I'm saying is, to me, I think that you've still seen, there have been, we have seen goaltenders who have played the same stretch as Murray flame out. And I'm not discrediting what he did in the, the, the playoffs twice, but Flurry carried that well, run. Now, last now, year. now, name a goalie that's flamed out in the way you're describing. And I don't think Murray's flaming out right now, but, but tell me who fit that description in the past well look i didn't come i didn't i don't have a dossier why well, i can give fight. you a few jim carrey but he never won a stanley cup steve penny but he never won a stanley cup 
What about Cam Ward? He won a Stanley Cup, and yeah, he's fizzled. But but, but he is he fizzled, or did the team fizzle around him? Right now, he's not very good. But I but, but, so. but but I believe he's thirty three, which by your definition for goalies should be his window of excellence. Well, is he still with Carolina? Yes, he is. I tell you what, if they would move on from Cam Ward, I think Cam Ward could be a, could be a capable backup in a place. Or could rejuvenate his career if he moves on from Carolina. Carolina actually, is- actually, bro, they tried to do that. Uh, they brought in Scott Darling, who was the Blackhawks' backup, and I think the original plan—I I hate to speak for Ronnie Francis—but I think the original plan was to make Darling the number one and Cam Ward the backup, or at least do like a you know a, a 60-40 split, and uh, Scott Darling let him down so far. But well, let me but let me ask you this: for Murray, now look again to. Stanley Cups, but what do you envision Murray's ceiling is as a goalie in this league? If you ask me, it's probably the potential of someone like a Corey Crawford or maybe even like the style. I think I see him as the style of Crawford or Darling. I think no, I think he's I, th- I think he's better than that. I think he's I think his range and his agility for a big guy will serve him better than that. But that's why they play the games. Uh, Got to go to a break, uh, Stan, but as always, great stuff and gravitas. What's love got to do? Got to, got do, to it. do with it. Up next, Talk Hockey with Josh Showy. I'm live at Buford's 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. What up, man? There's always been an unspoken dynamic. I am a lot smarter than you. Okay, so maybe it's a spoken dynamic. The X at 105.9. Going to look at some tweets this segment. I don't do that enough, really. You can tweet me at Mark Madden X. Uh, the notorious Pat tweets. The only way you could have traded Murray and kept Flurry is if you're 100% sure Jari can be the guy after Flurry. Uh, I don't think it's quite that simple. I don't think you could trade the 23-year-old goalie who won two straight Stanley Cups under any circumstances. But uh, you're right about having to have a great deal of trust in Jari long term. Uh, to even consider keeping Flurry over Murray. Uh, Michael tweets, isn't there some compelling logic to the notion that if Gensel can perform well as a third-line center, it aligns with the way the Pens want to fill the position, i.e. offensive capability, and the fact it may be easier to get a top-six winger than a third center. Uh, yeah, uh, what, what you said, Michael. And they've got enough top six swingers. They really do. But they don't have anything resembling a third-line center right now. And if Gensel works out at center and Strong works out at wing, you fill the hole and maybe added some more goals without having to trade a player off your roster. Because to get a third-line center, which they definitely need, they would have to sacrifice something useful, uh, most likely perhaps for the future, but most likely on their roster. So uh, you got to be careful. Uh, let's see here. That's the one bad thing. you got to look uh, for good tweets, and as predicted by me, quietly, there certainly aren't too many of those. Uh, chip tweets. This is funny. The Penguins seem to have a real good chance to three-peat in 1993. They were the best team in the NHL wire to wire. Do you think this approach to three-peating is better? No, I don't. Uh, I would rather have led the 
uh, regular season wire to wire like the Penguins did in 93, regardless uh, of how they fared in the playoffs. The number to call is 412-333-WXDX. Or, like I said, tweet me, at MarkMadNext. Penguins Jesus tweets, Is it time to try different line combinations up top with Sid to break him out of his scoring slump? And then he suggests a bunch of line combinations, which everybody does every day. Uh, I think the time has come to do what needs to be done to help Sid. Sid has bolstered so many wingers, you know, uh, created Sherry, Gensel. Before that, Kunitz and Dupuis were both Sidney Crosby productions, to be sure. Uh, Now with Sid struggling, I I wouldn't necessarily keep him in his comfort zone, uh, Jesus. I wouldn't play him with who he wants to play with. I, I would put him with Sprong right now. That would be my plan. Put Sid with a guy who gets a lot of shots and scores a lot of goals. A guy who plays with a lot of confidence, which, which like Yoey talked about, Sprong decidedly does. That's what I would do. TJ uh, tweets about Sprong. Being the same type of player, could you see the Penguins moving Sherry or Russ to make room for Sprong full-time? Uh, Sprong's not the same type of player as Sherry and Rust. He's more like Kessel. And if Sprong can really make an impact, and I don't think this is going to happen between now and the trade deadline, and maybe not till the next trade deadline. But if Sprong can become a 30-goal scorer in relatively short order for the Penguins, which I know is asking a lot and probably will not be delivered, but the minute Sprong produces in the neighborhood of Kessel, then you try to trade Kessel because you don't need two players like that. Uh, maybe you do now because desperate times call for this particular measure. But it's not something that, that really... The, the, the lines won't shake down well if both Sprong and Kessler are on the team. Trust me on that one. Hopefully it'll work out temporarily, but uh, I don't see that in the long term. Ed tweets, what are your initial thoughts on Alexiak's play? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm disappointed because he is exactly what I thought he would be. He's very mediocre. But he can skate a little bit for a big lamppost. And he can play the right side. And you can never have enough guys who can play the right side. That's the only reason Chad Ruedel, who's hurt now, is in the league. Matt tweets, Sprong's pedigree is top six. Why put Simon with Sid and not him? Well, okay, it's not like Sprong's playing traditional bottom six. He's playing on a line. It may be the third line. But it's designed to score because it has Sid and Gensel both. But uh, I would play uh, Sid and Sprong together. And as far as uh, Simon goes, I, I don't know why, but the coaches seem to think very highly of Simon. He, he's been put out there in pretty good situations to succeed with top-line guys like Crosby tonight for Simon. Uh, I'm not anti-Dominic Simon. I just don't get it. Dylan tweets, have you heard anything about the Penguins and Evander Kane? If so, what would the Penguins need to give Buffalo to get him? Uh, I don't want Evander Kane. He's a troublemaker, and they just don't need a wing. They just don't. they got plenty of wings. 
You don't collect players. You build a team, and Jim Rutherford is an expert uh, in that. Uh, one more tweet before we go to break. Todd tweets, who's better on the point on the power play, Schultz or Latang? Depends what you want. If you want the puck to the net, it's Schultz. If you want anything else, it's Chris Latang. Up next, we're going to talk to Bob McLaughlin. I am live at Buford's on Fifth Avenue right across the street. From PPG Paints Arena, tonight it's the Penguins and Hurricanes. Hear all the action right here on 105.9 The X. This is Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Could not have put a better tanger. Joining me now from TheAthletic.com, he is hockey scribe Josh Yoey. Josh, tonight we got Gensel at center. And with Daniel Sprong looking okay so far, I wonder if Mike Sullivan is considering... Gensel at center on a permanent basis, at least through season's end. Well, yeah, Mark, and there's a little more to it uh, when you consider also that Riley Shea looked pretty darn good on the fourth line the other night with Kunako and Reeves. And so uh, I think uh, Sullivan wants to leave that trio together. That looks to be the plan for this evening, and why not? That's the first time really all season the fourth line actually was productive. So maybe if you have something there, and yeah, you think about it, uh, what, what other options does he have? I mean, I mean, Shea is not a number three center, in my opinion. He might be a fine number four center. And, and yeah, why not go with Jake? Because I'll tell you what, Mark, um, the only reason they really didn't like Jake at center in the first place is because they don't think he's especially good defensively because of his size. Well, the Penguins can't score goals right now five on five, so you might as well do something different. And Sprong and Gensel on a third line, that's an awful lot of talent for a third line, so why not try it? Well, and Josh, Gensel ain't been filling it at wing either. That was always their trepidation. Uh, about moving Gensel to center as well. We need him at wing, but he's not getting it done at wing, really. No, he's not. I don't think he's been horrible, but he certainly has been streaky, and that's been a problem with too many Penguins. He had a nice little run uh, about a month ago, and it looked like he was back on track, but he's been pretty invisible since then. So, yeah, you can't blame Sullivan for trying some different things here to try to get the uh, five-on-five offense going. The fact of the matter is, Mark, the Penguins had the number one-ranked power play in hockey, and they have the 20th ranked overall offense. That's all you need to know about the five-on-five scoring. It's just, you know, something has to give. Specifically, you mentioned there are some concerns with Gensel at center. Uh, give me his pros and cons at that position. Well, he's just not a big guy. And, you know, so many, it seems like every center in the league now is 6'3 or taller. So there, there are going to be size mismatches. And he's not a great defensive player. He just isn't. That's been the problem with the Crosby Gensel Sherry line. The fact is uh, that they have been so poor in their own zone that it's driven the coaching staff crazy. Well, so and I don't, Sid I don't... has to double back and work so much harder yeah. in his own end playing with those two guys, too. That's right. But, you know, the pros, he's been a center most of his life. And Jake is a really smart hockey player. So he theoretically should be capable of adapting in any role. Uh, playing in the middle of the ice should not be a problem for him. He, he does have great offensive instincts. So from an offensive standpoint, I think it could be a good thing. I just think they have to be careful. We know Strong has defensive limitations, and we know Gensel probably does a center. So you got to be careful having those two on the ice against the other team's top line. But that said, with the uh, last change at home, I think playing at home especially uh, makes sense for those guys to be out there together. On the road, uh, that might be an issue. People say the Penguins are fatigued uh, after 250-some-odd games since October 2015. Does that apply even more so to the smaller players like Gensel and Sherry? Because uh, watching the games, I sense that it might. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a real possibility there. I, I mean, Sherry admits it. 
Uh, he admits that you know there have been times when Mike Sullivan has given him a night off, a healthy scratch here and there, and it's helped his game because he needed the rest. So in his case specifically, yeah, I think it does make an impact. And, yeah, that's an interesting uh, thought, Mark. I mean, the fact of the matter is the Penguins have a bunch of smaller guys, and, and so much of their game is based on pure speed. And that's probably one of the first things that is affected by fatigue. So when you look at it from that standpoint, it makes sense. And, yes, I, I just think in general this team is very much affected both mentally and physically by the fatigue. I don't think anybody could objectively deny that at this point. How big was it for the bottom six to get a couple goals in Philadelphia? It was huge. I, I mean, listen, Crosby and Malkin aren't playing great right now, especially Sid. We all know that. And that takes a little bit of pressure off of those guys when somebody else actually contributes a little bit. Uh, the Penguins' bottom six scoring is among the worst in hockey. I think the third and fourth lines may have accounted for the fewest goals in the NHL so far, if I'm not mistaken, this season. I was just reading something about that today, in fact. And that doesn't surprise me. It's just an anemic. Um, certainly they have missed Benino and Cullen to some extent. But even beyond that, um, there are still guys in this lineup that should be scoring a little bit, and they're just not doing it right now. And uh, at least for the third line, Mark, I, I don't think if the fourth line scores are not as necessarily a huge deal, but you need three lines that can score, and the Penguins certainly don't have that right now. We're talking to Josh Shoey of TheAthletic.com. He's brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Uh, both those goals came from right in front of the net, uh, Kuhn Hockle and Ryan Reeves. So why don't the Penguins go there more? It, it always baffles me when a team that's having trouble scoring – continues to overcomplicate and won't go back to basics. No, I agree. I, I suppose it goes back to just that skilled, talented team mindset. Uh, the Penguins have certainly been guilty of this at times over the years, especially their best players when you know they're not scoring and the pretty goals aren't going in. They, they try to score even prettier goals. And we've certainly seen Crosby and Malkin when they have struggled over the years. I think they've been guilty of that. Sometimes it kind of rubs off on the entire team, I think. Uh, you ask Mike Sullivan, he'll tell you, we need to go to the net. It's that simple. And that sounds like such of a hockey cliche and something that any coach is going to say, whether it's true or not. But in this case, I think it absolutely is true. Um, and you're right. There was nothing fancy about those goals. Uh, they won some puck battles. They got good position in front of the net, and they scored goals. Um, that's still the easiest way to score goals in the National Hockey League. And if you care to look back at the, the majority of the goals that the Penguins have scored in their, their Stanley Cup runs in the last two springs, they weren't pretty goals, Mark. They were goals a lot like what we saw the other night. So, yes, they, they need to go back to that mindset, absolutely. We spoke briefly about Daniel Sprong earlier. Uh, how's he looked so far? And how's he looked in his own end? He's got a lot of shots, not gotten a ton of ice. In fact, I'm surprised he hasn't played a bit more. Yeah, I think he didn't play as much in Philly because all the lines got messed up because of the injuries. And he was just kind of the odd man out, I think. Uh, I think he's been just fine. I actually took a note of his defensive play in both games, and I thought it was fine. I, I saw no issue at all with his defensive work. I like what I've seen from him. He would have had a goal in Philly in the first period the other night if he just hit the net late in the first period. He had a look. The goaltender didn't even see it. I mean, his, his release is so quick, Mark. Just an unbelievable release. It, it certainly is as advertised. Um, I've been impressed. I, I would like to see a little more of him. He had one shift with Sidney Crosby in Philly, and, boy, that was the one where he would have had the goal, in fact. They, they look pretty good together. I wouldn't mind seeing a little look of him with uh, either Crosby or Malkin. I think he's been fine. I think he can probably help him. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not uh, pretending to have watched Sprong so close to analyze his defensive play, but I had somebody tell me that he kind of gets a bad rap there because he's thought to cheat on the offensive side of the puck 
Whereas in reality, he just has the instincts and timing to get going the other way quicker than just about anybody. Uh, that's that's actually interesting, and we've certainly seen that from gifted offensive players over the years. And I, you know, I'm I'm in the same boat. I haven't seen the kid play that much. But from the times I have seen him play, I certainly haven't been offended by his defensive work. I don't think it's that bad. I think it's been overblown. I think, if anything, uh, I don't know how to put this delicately. The kid has an ego. He absolutely has an ego. And I think that rubs some people wrong in the organization. But, frankly, I think maybe they could use somebody with a little bit of an ego right now. I don't know that that's a bad thing. I think he's a little cocky. He knows he's good. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's what they need. So I, I don't have any issues with him from an attitude standpoint. I almost like it about him, to be honest with you, and, and I don't think his defensive work is a terrible thing. Uh, Sherry and Simon are playing with Sid tonight. Is that what you do? Does that strike you as a combination that will get Sid out of the doldrums? i, I got to be honest. I'd still stick with Hornquist, and I definitely wouldn't have Hornquist at left wing with Malkin or at left wing with I anybody. Hate, I hate Hornquist at left wing. I don't understand why Simon's on that line either. I, I just... I'm not that impressed with him. I don't know that he has NHL speed. Um, you know, you I would know Josh, forgive the interruption. It strikes me that they're kind of trying to replicate, like, the Gensel and Sheary call-ups, which provided a, a lot of adrenaline, but, but those guys were better than this guy. I agree completely. Um, I would probably have Sherry and Hornquist with him. That's a line that's been a winner in the past. Um, you know, Sid... Sid's confidence just isn't very high right now, Mark. And, and I think the more and more line mates he gets, I don't sense that it's helping. Uh, Sid is uh, a creature of habit. A creature of habit. Of habit. Likes, there you go. He is. I mean, he likes having the same line mates as anybody does, but it just seems like he's literally on a different line every night. And uh, I think Mike Sullivan really needs to settle on uh, some consistency for him, and I don't think Simon's that guy. Hey, maybe he'll prove me wrong. God bless him if he does, but I haven't been that impressed. Latang and Schultz returned at Philadelphia, and the puck movement was much better through the neutral zone. No surprise there, but I think sometimes we don't understand, Josh, that the guys who were helped most uh, when the puck handling defensemen come back are the forwards, especially getting the puck through the neutral zone. Oh, absolutely. I had a conversation with a few of them after the game in Philly, and they all just kind of laughed and said, yeah, a little bit of a difference with those two back there. And especially with Latang, and listen, I mean, it's been beaten to death. He's having a bad year. We all know it. But he still does things that I think so many people take for granted on a nightly basis. Just the one-man breakouts and the ability to move the puck quickly to the forwards. Uh, even if he is a train wreck in his own zone at times, and he has been, um, he still makes the Penguins so much better in transition. Their lack of transition without those two, that game in Raleigh, I mean, they didn't come close to scoring a goal in the third period when they were down 2-1. And, and, you know, if those guys were in the lineup, it probably would have been a much different story. You know, getting back to the tag for just one second, Josh, I agree he's not having a year that lives up to the standards set by him. I don't know if it's been as bad as his critics are saying either. And I think he contributes a lot of things, even when he's playing not that great, he contributes a lot of things nobody else can. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I would suggest he's probably had six or seven just absolutely dreadful games, and so that kind of sticks out. Um, but no, he's just, he's so gifted. He does things other players can't do. So even if he is having lapses at times, I think people will just completely take for granted the things he can still bring to a team. And, you know, there were you know, reports out of Canada or wherever last week that the Penguins were thinking about trading him or Which shopping him. was just him. a bunch of crap. That, that was Completely never any... Untrue. Yeah, totally was, untrue. Jim, Jim Rutherford was livid that those accounts came out, and he made it very clear in the next couple of days that 
under no circumstances is he trading Chris Letang because um, intelligent hockey people like Jim Rutherford know how important Chris Letang can be to the Penguins. And finally, Josh, uh, what's your take on the goaltending lately? Is Matt Murray slumping? He certainly set the bar very high the way he played these last two years. I have no complaints with Murray, but I think he could still be doing better. And one thing I will say, the nickel-dime injuries worry me. Uh, he's always kind of fallen prey to those, hasn't he? He does get hurt a lot. He's never had a, a massive injury, but he has had enough that that is a concern. I would say he has just been okay. Uh, he hasn't been horrible, and make no mistake, the Penguins have not played all that well in front of him. I don't think anybody could deny that, but he needs to be better. Uh, he has been average, and frankly, if the Penguins are going to make the playoffs at this point, he needs to be better than average, and I suspect he will be. He certainly has a track record. Um, and Jari, by the way, has been very solid. Good for him. Uh, he, he has certainly been a welcome addition when you consider where the Penguins were at the backup goaltender position in October. But uh, Murray's the guy. We all know that. I think he'll play better, but he, he needs to. It's time. Josh, as always, great stuff. We'll see you at the rink in just a little bit. All right, Mark, you got it. That's Josh Shelley. Check out his fine work. Fine work at theathletic.com. Uh, you know what I'm going to do next? I haven't done in a while. Let's have a, a, a Twitter segment. Send me some some tweets with reasonable comments or questions, uh, especially when it comes to hockey, and we'll address some of those. I already got some good tweets uh, that I'd like to address, which inspired me. So tweet me right now. Call Detroit. Tell them. No, tweet me right effing now at Mark Madnex. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, huge fan, love the show. Because that's what you got to do. Hey, Mark, big fan and all that. I, 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 I think you're on to something. The X at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by 84 Lumber. Bob, what are your thoughts on Jake Gensel moving to center? Uh, it's being done out of necessity right now because Carter Rowney's hurt and they want to keep Sprong in the lineup. But I could see this being uh, not a permanent long-term move, but maybe something that would plug the hole with third-line center for the rest of the season. What say you? Uh, I say not a big deal, Mark, because like you just said, it is out of necessity. So what else are they going to do? I know that Coach Sullivan is looking for a couple of things that may get people going, most likely the superstars on the team. Um, I'm not sure if this is the one that works. Um, so if it's out of necessity, you stick with it as long as it doesn't hurt you and see if it helps, and then you move on to another pairing. Uh, but I do have one question about the lineups today that you talked about yesterday. You, you talked with DK why Sprong and Kessel can't be on the same team because they both do the same things. How come you, well, how come you can't do that on two different lines? You can't have the same player. I, I, I don't think it's a rule. That you can't have two guys like that in the same. No, team. that you would prefer that you don't, or that well, a, Bob, a coach look, look, would. A, look around. You know, when other teams that have two guys like that. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a game now that's based on structure and physicality, grinding and shot blocking. And, and you're talking about two guys. Uh, Kessel gives an honest effort on defense. Mm -hmm. He doesn't hit. Look at the stats. He doesn't block shots. Look at those stats. And Sprong's really the same way. So you're making one side of the rink easy to play on for the other team about two-thirds of the time. I'm not saying you can't do it, but it really does seem ill-advised, doesn't it? Well, no, I guess I'm looking at it from a different angle as if you have one line, and even if it is both on the same side, but you have pieces of that line where you have your shot guy, you've got your speed guy, you've got your guy who you know has a little bit of grit to him, goes into the corners and gets the puck if it works on one line, 
and you've got a Kessel or a Sprung and it starts to work for Sprung, how about building that third line or whatever line Sprung is on at the time, build it accordingly as to how the second line is working. I, I, I see what you're saying, but a coach wouldn't think that way. I'll give an example. Say you have Sprung and Kessel playing a regular shift in the playoff series, right? Yeah. That other team's left defense isn't going to be tested physically at all for the entire series. Okay. No, I get that. But now, now if they each score 40 goals, it doesn't <laughs> matter. They could go out there in tutus. I was just going to say, but what if you've got, you know, what if Sprung steps up to the level Kessel is at right now and those goals are getting pumped in? They, they don't have to be physical on that side because it would be, I guess it's the trade off. And maybe you're looking at, you've coached before, I haven't. So you're probably well, looking just, at. Just, I'm not going to compare uh, deck hockey to this, but let me say this about Phil, too. Phil has 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 some some I don't want to call them deficiencies or flaws because unlike Sprong at this point at this level he's learned how to play around him mm-hmm. and his teammates have learned how to play around him too. I mean Phil in the playoffs will hit and, and block the occasional shot. I don't know what Sprong's going to be like yet in that situation. And when I say that in the future the Penguins might trade Kessel if Sprong develops, part of that would be because Sprong would be a lot cheaper. And you would right. save a lot of cap. But but a big part of it is, when I say develop, I mean 30 goals. I mean to come, you know, not just do part of what Phil does, but do all of what Phil does and maybe a little more. And, and I don't know if we can count on that. Certainly not anytime soon. No, that's valid. It was just a question. I, I got uh, somebody sent me that question after the show last night. And I couldn't figure out the answer, and I thought I'll just ask Mark tomorrow. And since, you know, we are, you are down there today, I couldn't ask you in person. Yeah, like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> a great quote by Lev Bell, Bob. I probably haven't made enough about this today. Lev Bell said that the Steelers have no excuses. And I agree with that. I think they're good enough to win the Super Bowl. If they don't, it won't be because they weren't good enough. And I'm glad to hear a very prominent Steeler take ownership of that because that can only mean that they, 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 they're in the right place mentally. Yeah, exactly, Mark. And one player that maybe in the past, you know, that you've alluded to and maybe some other people that, you know, maybe with the side things that he's doing, maybe wasn't so mature, you know, as a football player yet, but maybe this is a big step in that. And I love what you said in the uh, in the start of the show, that if he's putting that importance on it, then he is in the right frame of mind. He's taking it on himself. He's hoping to put this on his shoulders and go out there and do everything that he can. Um, and hopefully, you know, the other people on the team follow suit. But, I, yeah, I love it. I love hearing that stuff. One thing we'll talk about is the inevitable meeting in the AFC final draws closer. Don't you think the Patriots are way inside the Steelers' heads, especially after beating them yet again at Heinz Field a couple weeks back and the way that victory came about? You know, Mark, this is uh, one where we differ completely on. I thought that the last game, the Steelers came out of that game saying, okay, Boogeyman's dead. We should have won that game. The officials took it from us. Um, and that they can proceed and that they may have it. You know, just like Lev Bell is putting on himself, maybe some of the people who may have had those questions about going up against the Patriots, those are quashed now. They have no problem with going up to Foxborough and, you know, playing just as well as they did that game, maybe getting a call or two here or, you know, some football luck, and the Steelers walk away with that on the road. Absolutely a tough test, Mark, but I'm saying now after that last game, I think that it would be uh, it's an easier cho- easier chore for the Steelers instead of harder. That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. I am live at Buford's on Fifth Avenue. Please do stop in on your way to the Penguin game, or even if you're not on your way to the Penguin game, Buford's always a good place to go. Grab some gumbo. Uh, 
in just a moment, I'm going to talk about Central Florida football awarding itself the national championship. It started out as kind of cute, but like with anything, the media have ruined it. 105.9 The X.